Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times. Now, according to the bumper book of football cliches, third round day is the best day of the year. Plucky minnows make their mark, sleeping giants stir. Everyone talks about the romance of the FA Cup. The problem is, Man United are going to win it again, aren't they, Johnny? Uh, well, there'd be strong bets, but I think I've got a thing for Liverpool this year. I think Klopp is made for, for that Wembley stage. I think Klopp's made for, for the FA Cup. I don't think they're going to win the league, but I think he's really got something going there. I know what you're saying about United, because Mourinho takes these, these things very seriously and, and so on, but they're in four competitions. I just think that might be too much for them. So they'll be up there, but Liverpool for me. Mm. Nice little sentimental journey for Yap Stam in the third round, going back to Old Trafford. Oh yeah, very much so, but I don't think it's going to be an extra chapter in his autobiography which is going to bounce out of there. I think it's, um, you know, the Redden are going to be fodder for United. You know, I think Mourinho is not going to pull out a, a weakened team. You know, Mourinho knows that he needs to win. You know, it's, uh, after the start of the season, he can't soft-pedal any game or competition. So I think it'll be a straightforward. Mm, but that was one of the sort of landmark occasions of last season when mm. Lou Van Gaal came into the press room at Wembley with the cup. Yeah. And it was like, what have you done for us lately then? You know, yeah. it, it was completely, we were completely underwhelmed. Yeah, and it was such a terse, even by his standards, press conference. Guy was really suffering. I think he just knew that at that point he was going. And of course, we had similar theatre with uh, Roberto Mancini at Wembley before, so maybe you don't win the FA Cup. So well, the the, the thing about that is, as every, we were all sitting in the press conference and all checking our, yeah. checking our phones, and the story come up that uh, Mourinho was going to replace yeah, that's right. Louis Van Hal even before Van Hal come in. And, and so and it was. Uh, yeah, and I think he spoke to Woodward, didn't he? In yeah. The, in the corridor. That was unseemly haste that struck me. Yeah. You know, Football, eh? Never guess that happens. <laughs> if you look at Reading, were you surprised they went for someone like Stam? Because it's the sort of job that mm. a lot of people will say should have gone to an English coach. No, I, I think there's a lesson for English coaching in people like Yap Stam. You know, Yap Stam has served his time. He's had four years as assistant manager, first at Zwolle and then at, at Ajax. You know, he's learned his trade. He's done his coaching education in ways that our ex-pros don't necessarily want to do and this is a guy that you know won everything played for the biggest clubs 
but I had the humility to go and be assistant manager at, you know, Zvoli, it's uh, it, it's like Burnley or something like that. Mm. Um, learned things properly, intelligent guy, I think he's worked for Manchester United as a scout before. Mm. He's in his mid-40s, and if you look at the Dutch system, at the moment you've got Van Nistelrooy doing something similar at PSV, you've got Philip Koku, who mm. did a similar apprenticeship to Stam as PSV manager, you've got Van Bronckhurst, again, he did his time, and now he's found a manager and doing pretty well. And I'd love our guys to be doing this kind of well, thing. I mean, compared to his busy friends, Gary Neville, <laughs> who went to Valencia, took the big job right away. and um, He's going to be defined by that, isn't he? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Although, to be fair, we should define him as well by his, uh, his number two job to Hodgson, because that worked mm. so well as well, didn't it? Mm. Mm. <laughs> if, you look, if you look at the FA Cup, yeah, I love it simply mm. because you do have the clichés come to life. Yeah. I'm old enough and ugly enough to have been at Gander Green Lane in 1989 when Sutton United beat Coventry City. And it was a journo's, a hack's dream. Mm. You know, the manager had a pipe and he, he, Barry Williams was his name, a former teacher, wow. quoted Shakespeare. These players you'd never heard of had beaten the, you know, the reigning cup winners, Coventry City. Mm. How the mighty have fallen, yeah. by the way. Well, yeah. They've got AFC Wimbledon. It, it, that is a perfect romantic occasion, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, as, as if AFC's story isn't, you know, sort of as magical itself. You know, you've, you've got something there. The great joy of FA Cup Day at Round Day is, of course, when you do get the giant killing. Mm -hmm. And uh, growing up, it was just one of the, the, was the best day of the year in many ways, apart from the final, because the, the excitement you'd look forward to, you know, the Wembley in the distance, you know, it's, and it was fantastic. Now, it's just been demeaned so badly that uh, I think it's only us old romantics who get excited about games like this. As a Scot, I agree with Tony then, and my perspective would be that, you know, in Scotland you don't, we've got a great Scottish Cup competition, but you don't get the shocks in the same way because our small clubs are so small compared mm. to the Celtics and the Rangers and the, mm. the bigger SPFL teams that, you know, a third round shock is once every, you know, Hamilton Aki's beating mm. Rangers, people still remember it, you know, Saint and Greavesy announcing it on the, the video printer. I mean, that, that's about 30, 35 years ago. It doesn't happen. I mean, I used to look at, at NMV at that third round in, mm. in England, see all these exotic teams like your Sutton United, that you'd, you know, Telford's guys, you know, you'd never ever heard mm. of them. It is something really, really special. And I agree that it's being a little bit diluted. And the thing is now, it's, you know, people, especially with the, the so-called big clubs in the Champions League, you know, they go to the new Camp, they go to the Bernabeu, and they, they look forward to that. You know, I used to look forward to the third round draw and hope I get a ground, a non-league ground, somewhere I'd never yeah. been before, mm. somewhere where, you know, it was atheists and get back to, you know, the roots of football. And um, I suppose uh, I'm an anachronism now, so... Yeah. Well, I, I, as a kid, I went to Barrow, which is where my mum was born. Yeah. And now Barrow mm. are playing Rochdale. Mm. They're unbeaten in 25 yeah. games. And these are the sort of stories which only just sort of almost like jump out the page at you. Mm. They're going to beat Rochdale, aren't they? Well, you'd hope so. You know, it's a fantastic opportunity for them. Uh, it's one of those clubs where the people have been through Barrow. You know, yeah. some, of the, some of the big names of the game have been there, you know. And you look at it and you think... 
it's always surprised me that they haven't gone up the pyramid more. Yeah. It's a great place to go to. It's um, it feels like you're on the edge of the football world. <laughs> in the, I mean, my cousin's a head teacher in Barrow, and he's also an absolute lunatic who goes to every game, and uh, it's incredibly far away. You know, their local derby is something mm. like Gateshead, isn't it? Or, yeah. You know, two yeah. two and a half hours away, but it's a proper. I mean, it's such a proper sort of football hotbed you know working class city uh, mm. they absolutely love their club they, the, the support is much bigger than it really should be their away support certainly mm. a decent manager there and Paul Cox doing quite well um, they've got some reasonable players incredible run I think I think they will win that one mm. Mm. Lincoln City another team on a really good run mm. you know they went into the Christmas period top of the National League mm. they're uh, against Ipswich now, mm. I, th- I think Mick McCarthy is a fantastic football manager. Well, Mick he hasn't never got gets any credit there. from anyone, does no. he? Yeah. Mick's done a good job everywhere he's yeah. been. And yet, he's almost like a joke figure. You know, it's uh, probably because that, that, you know, the tough-speaking Yorkshireman image. And, you know, it's, uh, but I, I, I don't understand that, you know. It's, uh, and I think Ipswich have, again, given the problems they've had with ownership and behind the scenes, he's done a fantastic job mm. there. And, but the Lincoln story just tells you how hard it is to get back into the football yeah. league once you get out of it. Yeah, and you know there's quite a few clubs of that ilk. Lincoln, again, just for that, geographically, you want there to be league football in that part of the world. Because um, it means a lot, doesn't it? Now, I noticed yeah. Grimsby you know, before Christmas, mm. yeah, they played absolutely. at Doncaster, 10,000-odd crowd, more than 4,000 Grimsby supporters. Yeah. Are they take huge away supporters? Yeah. And one of the difficulties is when a club goes into free fall, it's really hard to stop that. It's to arrest mm-hmm. the decline and to you know to start the forward momentum. And you know once you drop out the league, then it's yeah. defined in many ways that you know the the next level down the pyramid is even more competitive yeah. than the league two. Yeah, mm. You think your Herefords as well, your Halifaxes, mm. teams like you know proper real league names for mm. me, and found it very difficult to get by. Mm. Stourbridge, one of the more unfamiliar names, beat Northampton to get there. They're at Wickham, who are on a fantastic run, with one of my favourite managers, the yeah. wild thing. Yeah, 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 Gareth yeah, 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 yeah. He's terrific, and he's a kind of FA Cup third round type of figure, mm. isn't he? You want you want to see him in full flow in his post match interview. That's one of the problems about this draw. Actually, it's not the best third round draw simply because the teams like Stourbridge are away from home there's quite a few ties mm. like that mm. you'd be more interested in their prospects if that was a home game for them but I think Wickham, Wickham will have too much yeah yeah, they're very direct and they've got Scott Cashkent who's just coming from nowhere mm. and scoring mm. goals for fun I think about you know, if we look at you know we go to AFC Wimbledon with people like Neil Ardley who's a you know, good friend of, of, of Ainsworth's is that where you really get to learn your trade in that sort of League 1, League 2 area? Oh, without a doubt. The problem is that overperforming down there often isn't noticed because you don't win things. I mean, you look at Paul Tidsdale at Exeter. If you look at the table and you look at where they are and you're like, what's he ever done with his career? He's had them punching above the weight for such a long time. And the chairman and championship clubs, the chief executives of Premier League clubs, look at that and don't see the ability down there and take a punt on it and uh, it's mad really because there are lots of very very good managers down there who should be Mm. working at a higher level and whose CV if looked at rationally and critically Mm. will put them at a higher level 
And Chris Chris Wilder got snapped up, didn't he? And that doesn't happen very much. That mm. was that was really really good to see. But mm. I always remember Rafa Benitez being asked, you know, who's the best manager? Is it you or Mourinho? And I remember him saying, well, the best manager might actually be one of the guys mm. in, the, in the bottom two divisions, and we just don't know. We don't know what they're yeah. working yeah. with. Mm. With Rafa in mind, are Newcastle a good bet to go a long way in this FA Cup? He would love yeah. to take a trophy to Newcastle. He understands the craven up there, you know, the, the the more than half a century's desperation, you know, to win. And he would love to deliver it to the Geordie fans. He'll be trying his best. And, uh, yeah, they might ruffle a few feathers. Uh, he's got them playing well. He's got them very well organised. They have their ups and downs. But um, I think, yeah, if you wanted a, an outside bet for it, I'd, I'd go for... You know him pretty well. Were you surprised when he took that job? Or, or actually, when he stayed at the end of last season? I was a little bit, yeah, I was a little bit. Because, um, you know, you thought a, a bigger club might come along. I think if uh, Laurent Blanc wouldn't have been given an extension at PSG and, mm. and then sacked mm. a matter of weeks later, he might have thought differently. But I think, given everything that's happened, he's, he's happy. He's happy he stayed there and... Um, he can see not only Newcastle in the Premier League, he can see Newcastle in the top half of the table. And if he's given the resources, which he's been promised, yeah, he can take them there. Is that vision viable? Yeah, it is. It is, because Rafa will build the club properly. That's what they've got mm. with him. Not Somebody that's not just a very good coach, but somebody who does build clubs up. And it's always been viable mm. at Newcastle. To really maximise the potential, of course, they're going to need the owner to either change his approach or new ownership. But certainly he can get them up to a level where you know they'd be right for, mm. I, I guess, someone to, to buy them and, and put proper funds in. Mm. And the thing that Rafa will do is, you know, Newcastle have often fallen down by being maybe too gung-ho or romantic. Over the years, it's a club tradition. He's not going to do that. Mm. Talking of new owners, uh, Newcastle are playing Birmingham in the third round. Mm. Chinese owners at Birmingham. What on earth are we looking at when Gianfranco Zola comes in out of nowhere to take over from one of the best young managers that we've got, Gary Rowett? Is, was there anyone in the entire football world who saw a comer? I mean, the, the state of shock all round was stunned and seems to have its roots in over negotiating a new contract when other people come mm. looking at him. And no wonder other people come looking at Rowett because, again, he's, he's one of those managers who's, who's ready for a step up. But to replace him with Zola, especially with them on the verge of the playoffs, just seems an act of madness. I'm a huge fan of Zola as a player and a person, but I don't think he's got the personality to manage a football club. Yeah, well, I, I saw him early in 2016 in Qatar, mm. where he was at Al Arabi. Lost half his games in a really poor league. He's, mm. He survived for three months at Cagliari. Mm. That's no CV, is it? Not really, and it strikes to me. It strikes me as a, an ego trip from the owner. It's yeah. a bit like Di Matteo getting the Villa job. It's it's a guy who, who wants to be able to rub shoulders with a playing great. Mm. So he gives. He's probably got the DVD, isn't he? Yeah, and you know, if you could sign Zola as a player, of course yeah, you yeah, would. Yeah. But you know, maybe the ownership doesn't understand there's a difference in being a manager. And, uh, you know, without making a kind of xenophobic point against Chinese ownership, you look at the the Chinese owners own both Milan clubs, changed their managers within five or five or six weeks of the start mm -hmm. of the season. You know, the Midlands clubs, again, there's been lots of changes in ownership and there's certainly a culture clash uh, between that, you know, that kind of approach at hiring and firing and, and what we want to see. They've clearly got bad advice 
yeah, you know, when, when they come in, they hook up with the wrong advisors and they obviously make missteps because of that. Well, they'll learn um, Birmingham, a club that looked as if it was beginning to head in the right direction, I can see them regressing. Mm. Well, and it doesn't take much to get relegated from the Championship, does it? Not at all. Not at all. And Gary Rowett will probably get snapped up in the Championship and will probably spend the rest of the season... It's a bit of a whisper about maybe Norwich if yeah. they make a change. Would be. I mean, I, I like Alex Neal as a Scot. I want him to do well, but I can see why they would make a change and he mm. would be perfect for them. And I think he'll spend the rest of the season proving Birmingham wrong. Mm. Across the second city, Aston Villa, Steve Bruce, he seems to have settled them down. Yeah, without a doubt, because... Uh, at the beginning of the season, they look completely directionless. I mean, De Matteo, again, he'll always have on his CV that he won the Champions League. But well, he was it, there at the time. Yeah, it, it shows that you can't trust CVs. <laughs> it's, um, he didn't have to pad his, you know. Bruce is, again, he's one of those characters that people look at mm -hmm. and they make assumptions about and they don't think, you know, they think he's a, a bit of a boneheaded old school manager. Steve Bruce is very bright, and when he talks about football, you mm. have to listen to yeah. him. And you know, he, he talks about defending, he talks about goalkeeping, and, and, and it's always really yeah. interesting stuff. I'll give you two clubs. I think Sunderland, I think they've only had one top 10 finish in 10 years, Steve Bruce. Mm. Wigan, you know, he actually did bet much better in the league with Wigan yeah. than, than Martinez mm. did, even though Martinez won the FA Cup. He's, he's done pretty well everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking outside the Premier League for someone from the FA Cup, Leeds have got pretty much everything. They've got good manager in Gary mm. Monk, fantastic support, mm. and I don't know who really shouldn't be in the game. <laughs> They're playing uh, against a former Leeds player, Sean Derry, uh, at Cambridge United. Do you see them having a good run? I, well, I, hmm. I, I think the, the level of dysfunction at the club is so huge that... I can't see them putting together a, a run that will get them anywhere near up, and I can't see them having a good cup run. But I think what it needs there, it needs a takeover and they need a, mm. a, a change of senior management. We'd all love to see Leeds coming back. I mean, you know, it's a, I'm old enough to remember the great Leeds teams of the 60s, even, and 70s, and it's such a huge football club, and it just feels mired in the worst sort of... How would you put it without um, without drawing legal letters? <laughs> that mess, the worst mess that you could get into. And so, obviously, they'll go through this round. I think if they get anyone from the Premier League, they'll probably struggle. But there is a sense that slowly they're creeping forward there. I hope they keep their players in January. That's been a big Lewis problem. Lewis Cook's a player. Yeah, some good mm. young players. And that's been their problem for five or six years. Um, and I don't entirely trust the owner to, to make no, the right decisions. No, at all. Mm. Mm. Leicester, mm. is this the FA Cup, their stage this season? It could be, because as we've seen in Europe and we saw against Manchester City, you know, the, the, what, what they had, the chemistry, the, the, the spirit and, and, and the players, they're still there, you know, they've been diluted, it's not going to be what happened last year ever again, but there's still quality there, there's still something special there in, in isolated occasions and, and the FA Cup might just suit them. And it's interesting, when, when Leicester came close to winning the league before in 1962-63 uh, with the Ice Kings team and then faltered in the last few weeks. They also lost an FA Cup final. And that team, the Gordon Banks team, you know, Stringfellow team, they, 
they actually regretted the FA Cup more, and that, that was more of a story in the mm. Times because that's how important the FA Cup was. Mm. They weren't really that aware that they fell away in the league. So culturally, there's a big thing with the FA Cup in Leicester. Are they going to be distracted by the Champions League? <laughs> well, when they go to the, the final, of course, that is yeah. going to be a problem. Uh, also, fun. they've got a tough time haven't they, <laughs> at Everton. Yeah. As uh, we look at Everton, we think there's going to be change mm. very quickly at that football club. Mm. Will that change involve Ross Barclay leaving? Um, I, I don't think mm. before the summer, but I don't think it's completely off the agenda. I think if Koeman gets uh, Schneiderlin in there and starts to refashion his midfield, he might find Barkley at, by the end of the season is surplus to requirements. I mean, he hasn't come on like everyone no. wanted him to come on. I mean, if you look at, for example, you know, so to, uh, making a scouts comparison, you know, Steven Gerrard at his age, mm. you know, they're completely different sorts of players. He wasn't up by Martinez, who didn't seem to know where to play him, and who shifted him around that midfield. But he makes bad decisions too he often. Does. He does. He's got everything, Ross yeah. Bartley. But he needed to me to be a, a number eight, somebody to take him early in his career mm. and say, use that pace, use that power, use that skill on the ball, running from deep, but this is what you need to do defensively mm. as well. Mm. And he, he still looks like a player that you're waiting to almost go through that, that schooling, that, that apprenticeship, and what, he's early 20s now. The bits are still there, but I think he's, he's one of those players that's going to need the right manager, and if he doesn't get it, I don't mm. think it's going to be Koeman for no, him. No, definitely not. He might just drift away as a player. I, I, I think Koeman's looking at him and wondering whether... He's not a Koeman player, is yeah, he? Yeah, he's worth persisting with, and he's worth trying to teach mm. the way Koeman wants to play. Koeman, mm. you know, Southampton, one of his former clubs. Now, I've got a sneaking suspicion about them this year. They're playing Norwich in the third mm. round. They are the type of club who'd really respond to the FA Cup, it seems to me. Yeah, Norwich got a dreadful FA Cup record in the early mm. rounds, so you'd fancy them to get through that one. I know what you're saying about Southampton, because they, they're, they're hard to beat, well-organised, don't concede many goals. Those are good ingredients for a cup run. And I like the manager. We didn't, you know, we didn't really rate him highly enough, I think, when he arrived, but on close inspection, actually a pretty good CV, uh, has done well, and get another good choice as manager. And with Jay Rodriguez coming back, I mean, that, that, that is one of the best stories for me of, of the year, him mm -hmm. coming back after two years within mm -hmm. the injury. If he can have a run, they've got a, a decent goal scorer there as well as Austin. People always underestimate the mental strength it needs to overcome yeah. long-term injury because you're mm -hmm. immediately forgotten. Yeah. You're the one in that gym at five o'clock in the afternoon mm -hmm. when everyone's long gone home. It's soul-destroying. And that lad, mm -hmm. you know, he... he, he Worked so grafted to get to the position he was in. He was in the England squad. He was probably mm. going to go to the the Euros. I think yeah, the World enough. Cup. Was yeah. That yeah, World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, he was probably going to go to the World Cup. That must be so tough mentally. And at the age of twenty-seven, peak mm. of his career, and then all those Southampton players start leaving. The guys he's come through with, the, the Lalanas and and Kleins and so on. Real fortitude for him to come back. And he's a he's a lovely player. I'd, I'd really like to see him mm. restore himself. Mm. Any other sort of left-field candidates? What about West Brom and another dose of uh, Pulis ball at Wembley? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, we kept hearing that sort of the Pulis era was coming to its end at West Brom and that there was um, a sort of low-level antagonism between, you know, Tony and the, the owners and you know, sort of all these rumours come out. And, yeah, they still go doing what Tony Pulis does, picking up points, making it difficult for the opposition. And in a... 
in, in a, you could say in a very underwhelming way, mm. you know. It's a, mm. But they, they go about doing it, and it's—I I wouldn't write them off. You know, he's the pound shop Mourinho. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, he, I, I spent an afternoon at West Brom recently, and I, I tell you what, he does that maybe we we don't talk about enough is he, he really knows how to build a group of players. Mm. Forget the style of play. If you look at that Stoke team, what a good group they were, and that, they are still the heart and soul of the club. Mm. And that West Brom, you know, that you can just see the culture there is really strong great professionals you know humble lads but a, a, a proper group and I think that carries yeah. that carries I think it's very way. similar to, to Dyche at Burnley yeah mm. very very similar play slightly differently but, but very very similar and, and pick real men if you want to put it that way oh, but to, wouldn't, to wouldn't you rather team. have a philosophy and wouldn't you rather <laughs> have the, this myth of the beautiful game that you've got you know it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting a group of players to be better than the sum of the parts yeah what's uh, Steve McLaren doing. He's doing something right at Derby. Now, Derby play West Brom in the third round. Mm. He's been derided, let's be honest. He's and, doing a decent and, job. And, and let's face it, he's, he's deserved it at the times. I mean, the, his attempt to, uh, <laughs> to speak like a Dutchman and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, the infamous moment with the brawly, you know, it's all that. But what that's disguised is he's, a, he's quite a good coach. In fact, I go so far as to say he's a very good coach. And if he works with players on the training grounds, then he will improve them. Mm. Final question then. Who's going to win the FA Cup in May 2017? Um, well, Liverpool. I've got yeah, come on. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> I think so. I, I can say I think they'll get a reward for this season. They've, they've been great this season. Don't think it'll be the league, but I think it'll be the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Cloptastic, eh? Dare to dream Southampton. I think it's your year. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.